Today we're going to be preaching, what's the topic of our sermon today? Offering, an act of what? Oh, an act of worship. So to illustrate this, I'm going to have Solomon come up here with his family. They're going to sit over here on these chairs. So this is what's going on. I want you guys to imagine this because I know that, that Amari and his dad have a very tight relationship. I've seen it on Facebook because I don't know if you know this, but we've been friends on Facebook for one year today. Okay? Yeah, so we're celebrating one year of our friendship in, in Facebook. Okay, so, what uh, up? Yeah. Let's just imagine that Marlon has been out for about a month visiting family. He's been traveling. He's been gone for some time. Go ahead and sit down. So he, he comes in the house. He's just arriving from his trip. So what do you think the excitement is going to look like? Okay, so let's see some excitement. Dad's coming in. All right, let's see some excitement. Yeah, that's what we want, some excitement. Dad's just coming back after a month that he's been gone. And so once they start chatting about his trip and how everything had gone, then Solomon, he asked Amari for something. Okay, so he has asked for some water. Okay, so let's see if Amari can bring his dad some water. Okay, so now you guys are sitting down, excited, talking about your trip and everything that's been going on during the last month that dad's been away. Okay, so while Amari goes for the water that dad has asked him to, uh, to bring him, we'll continue with the sermon. So giving our offering is more than money, Amen. It's an act of worship. When we come to church, yes, we need to pray. We need to talk to God. Amen? We also need to hear God speak through us through His Word when they preach the message. We need to come and sing songs to His holy name. But yes, we also need to present our offerings as an act of worship. So when we give our offerings, what does it represent? What's behind the offering? Behind the offering, we are recognizing that God is our sustainer. He's our provider. He's the one that gives me a job, the abilities to accomplish that job. He's the one that gives me a thankful heart because he has blessed me. So imagine everything that is behind the offering is not about the money. It's an act of worship. And for that, we're going to go to Psalms 96, verse 8 and 9. So you guys keep excited talking about your trip. All right. So, Psalm 96, verse 8 and 9, which is our scripture reading for today, says, Give to the Lord the glory due to his name. And now, look at what follows. It says, Bring an offering and come into his courts. Oh, worship the Lord in the beauty of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Oh, worship the Lord. Wow, whoa, I'm back. But he's back with some little cakes and with a freshly squeezed orange juice. Wow. So, Dad, how, 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 how do you feel? You only asked him for a little bit of water. Oh, I feel good. Now I have food. Wow. Imagine. Isn't that amazing? You can go ahead and taste that. That's freshly squeezed, real freshly squeezed oranges. I squeezed it myself. All right. So I know it's guaranteed. Okay, 
All right, how about that orange juice? And he's sharing it with the family. Look at that. Isn't that wonderful? So that's the same thing with our Heavenly Father. When we come to God, He asks us for a glass of water. Bring Him a freshly squeezed orange juice. Because our offering is an act of worship. We have to go beyond what we think as human beings, beyond what we are used to doing. We have to think like God thinks. So... Here we have this beautiful family that has been blessed because his son recognized that the joy he feels that dad is back home is more than just a glass of water that he wants to bring to his dad. He wants to bring some juice and some little cakes. Wow, isn't that awesome? So thank you so much, guys. That's, that's a really good oranges. Those are oranges that are really, really sweet. So praise God. Praise God for for the Solomon family. Amen. Let's give them a round of applause. Yes, thank you so much for coming out and helping me with this. So let's talk a little bit about offerings, some general concepts, and maybe define what an offering is. So the word that we find more than 200 times in the Old Testament for offering is mincha, the Hebrew word mincha, which means gift. It means a present. It means a tribute. It means a sacrifice. So please follow me. The definition has a lot to do with what we're going to preach. So what does it mean? A gift, a present, a tribute, a sacrifice. So the theological meaning of offerings is anything that we offer and give God as a gift or anything that we dedicate to God. That's an offering. Everything we present to God has to be an adoration. It has to be with an attitude of worship. Because we're bringing it to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The God that gives us life that we are breathing today because of Him. So we bring our offering as an act of worship. Now you guys can recall uh, some of the uh, texts in the Bible that tells us about how we're supposed to come to God. So let's go to Exodus 23 verse 15. So open up your Bibles or turn on your Bibles, whichever. Exodus 23 15. And none shall appear before me. This is God talking. This is not Moses. This is God. And none shall appear before me with what? With empty hands. And we can find something similar in Deuteronomy chapter 16, verse 16 and 17. It says, and no one shall appear before the Lord with empty what? With empty hands. Now, the Bible has a story of a widow. You guys remember that story? Right on the outside of the main door of the synagogue, there was this huge coffin where they would put the offerings. This altar, it was called an altar. The people would put their offerings in there. Luke chapter 21. So please open your Bibles at Luke 21. And we'll just read verses 1 through 4. Luke chapter 21, verses 1 through 4. Raising his eyes, this is Jesus. He saw the rich who cast their offerings in the ark of the offerings. He also saw a very poor widow who threw two mites there. And he said, Truly I say to you that this poor widow has cast more than all for all those cast for God's offerings of what they had left over. But this lady that's in poverty threw all the substance that she had. 
<laughs> so let, let's, let's dig into the story a little bit, okay? So there's a, a, at least two, two values in offering that I want to mention, or, or the value of an offering is determined by two things. Number one, the spirit in which it occurs. An offering, if it's made from obligation, doesn't have no value. The Bible says that we have to give with a cheerful heart. So how, how are you going to give with obligation, right? You don't have to feel that you're obligated. So if you give it with obligation, no value. If you give it reluctantly or to show off, there's no value in that either. It loses all its value. So the only worthwhile offering is that which comes from the heart full of love for Jesus, which is given, of course, with freedom and will, just like the widow. So number one, the spirit in which you give your offerings is very important. But also, the sacrifice it involves. So what is a mystery for someone could be a fortune for another person. The offerings that the rich dropped in this altar of offerings so that all could see did not entail any sacrifice at all because it says they were giving what they had left over. But the widow's two might were literally all she had. Now, I don't know if you know how much two mites is worth. So, so two mites... The Greek lepta, that's the name of the, the Greek coin. Uh, together worth maybe a few quadrants, the smallest Roman coin. The lepta was the smallest and least valuable coin in all of uh, Judea. Worth about six minutes, <laughs> six minutes of an average daily wage. So, so let's break it down, okay? Let's break it down. So in modern money, let's, let's assume that you make a hundred bucks a day, Okay? So those two mites were $2. Now, I know if you use $2 wisely, maybe you can make it go a long way. I don't know. Okay? So we have two bucks. In those days, with that amount of money, this widow could have bought a loaf of bread or she could have just bought you remember the loaf is not the loaf like we sell in, in the stores here. The loaf was just one, one bread like this, right? Okay? So when it says the five loaves and the two fish in the story, it was five little breads about this size, okay? So she could have bought a loaf of bread or she could have bought the ingredients to make maybe a dozen loaves, which would last maybe a couple of days. And the Bible says that she gave all she had. So if she had enough to survive for two days, she gave everything she had. So now she didn't have, not even for two days. She didn't have anything left. And yet she recognized that giving her offering was an act of worship. She knew that God was going to take care of her. <laughs> yes. Probably the rich who offered their, their offerings were calculating the value of the currency. But she gave with utmost generosity. She had no more. That's all she had. So giving does not become real until it costs you. 
until it costs you. Now, there's an illustration. You remember when David made the, uh, the census that was totally against God's will because everything was against what God had planned? So he went out, did the census, and then he gets the messenger. You know, God's messenger goes and says, well, God is going to punish you with this, this, and, that, and he gives him some options, you know. And, and David was just so overwhelmed. He said, you know what? Don't, don't punish my people. I'm the one that decided to do the census. So after a lot of people went through a plague and died and everything, God said, okay, let's, let's fix things. I want you to go and give me an offering. So, so, so look at what happens in the story. First Chronicles 21, let's just start with verse 18. Therefore the angel of the Lord commanded Gad to say to David that David should go and erect an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Ornan, the Jebusite. So David went up at the word of Gad, which he had spoken in the name of the Lord. Now Ornan turned and saw the angel, and his four sons who were with him hid themselves, but Ornan continued threshing wheat. So David came to Ornan, and Ornan looked and saw David, and he went out from the threshing floor and bowed before David with his face to the ground. Then David said to Ornan, Grant me that the place of this threshing floor, that I may build an altar on it to the Lord. You shall grant it to me at full price, that the plague may be withdrawn from the people. But Ornan said to David, you know, what, what a generous person. He said, take it for yourself, and, and let my lord the king do what is good in his eyes. Look, I will also give you the oxen for burnt offerings. I mean, I'm not only going to sell you the place, I'm going I'm to give you the offering, the threshing implements for wood, the wheat for the grain offering, I'll give it all to you. For many of us, it would have been easy to fall into the trick of receiving all of that, and my offering wouldn't have cost me anything. But look what David answers in verse 24. Then King David said to Ornan, No, but I will surely pay it for the full price, for I will not take what is yours for the Lord, no no offer burnt offerings, now listen to this, which have cost me nothing. So David gave Ornan 600 shekels of gold by weight for the place. And David built there an altar to the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings and called on the Lord. And he answered him from, from heaven by fire on the altar of burnt offering. So giving does not become real until it costs you. It involves sacrifice. Sometimes we give offerings, and, and I, I don't want to offend anybody, but I, I think I have to talk from my heart, okay, and I have to talk from God's Word. So, so sometimes our offerings don't cost us anything. I'll give you a few examples. When we give to the community center, the, the clothes are all worn and used that you will not use for no reason. That's what we get sometimes as donations. Oh, because it didn't cost you anything. But what about giving that extra coat that you don't use, but it's in perfect shape. You just don't use it because you have 10 coats. So you give one of those coats to God for the community center. See the difference? Or what about when we ask for food to alleviate some family's emergency, and so we offer the cheapest and the poor quality products that we find in the store? Or, or what about when we apply to volunteer for one of the ministries here at church, but we only give the time we have left over? As long as it doesn't cost us our resting time, 
our recreational time, or some other interest that we might have. Oh, pastor, I will come and help out, but if I have any time left. So giving does not begin to be real until it costs us. So, so let us meditate on our offerings and may us bring burnt offerings that are worthy of the God that we worship. Worthy of his greatness. Now, the next question is, what does God desire of us when we bring our offering? So we'll go to another, another story. Let's go to another story. That's in Genesis. Genesis chapter 4, verse 3 and 4. You guys know the story, Cain and Abel? Okay. So when we bring our offerings... We have to keep in mind what is what God desires. Not what I desire. What does God desire? So we can see that this offering of Cain and Abel is explained there in, in, in Scripture in the following way. It says, Cain brought an offering to the Lord from the fruit of the earth. Abel also brought the firstborn of his sheep, the fattest of them. And Jehovah looked upon Abel and his offering with pleasure. So, let, 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 let me make a few things clear about this story because sometimes we think it's just about the animal offering. We know it's important because God has specified because of what it meant. It meant forgiveness of sin because without blood there is no remission for sin. So, so the theological and, and the salvation aspect of the offering, we understand that it had to come from that animal. That lamb, firstborn, without blemish perfect lamb, which symbolized Jesus. So, so we, we don't want to take away value that it had to be an animal because God has stated that. But there's more to the story than that. So I want you guys to follow me. So, so Cain took of the fruit. He was, a, he was an agriculture guy. He, he had his garden and he, he, he had his, his crop. and So he brought his fruit. Now, Ellen White says something very powerful in Patriarchs and Prophets. She says that he did not choose the best fruit. He came grumbling. He came upset because Jesus was asking for an offering. God was asking for an offering. So he came with an attitude that was not a worship attitude. Oh, I just got to do it because if I don't do it, you know, I'm going to look bad. When they pass the offering plate around, I don't want to look bad, so I'm going to put at least a dollar in there. So he brought the fruit, which, of course, theologically also is a very powerful message about salvation by works because he didn't trust what God had ordained. That victim that was going to be sacrificed was his substitute. And yet he brought his fruit because sometimes we want to give God what we have done instead of what he has done. We don't understand that in Christianity, it's all about what he has done, not what you do. So, you know, he, he, he came here with this bad attitude, bringing his fruit. But God, it says here, looked upon Abel and his offering with pleasure. So, what, what can we see in this story that, that God took pleasure in this worshiper, Abel, it says that he took the firstborn, the best, and the chosen. Okay, so, so I want to underline that. That is so important. He took of the firstborn. Firstborn. And then 
not only from the firstborn, he chose from the firstborn the fattest one, the healthiest one, the best one. So let's apply this to the way we give our offerings here in church. Number one, when we give our offering, it has to be the first. In other words, when we get paid, the first thing we need to do is separate our tithes and offerings. Not just our tithe. Because the tithe, it doesn't have to do anything with voluntariness. It doesn't have to do anything with just willingness. No, that's, that's a commandment. Okay? And actually... It's not even ours. So if you made on a sale of a house, let's say an extra 50,000 bucks when you sold the house, so how much is the tithe for that earning? Wow, that's a lot of money. You could do a lot with $5,000. But that's not yours. So when you give those $5,000, you can say, I gave $5,000 to God. No, you can't say that because you didn't give a cent to God. If someone owes me money and they say, Pastor, here's the 200 bucks that you lent me. How much did they give me? Zero. It was mine. So they didn't give me anything. So when you turn in your tithes, you're not giving to God a cent. So at the end of the year, when you say, I gave $20,000 a tithe, you you didn't give nothing because that was God's. But how much offerings did you give? Because then that's where we find that value that I talked about, the spirit you give with, and that it has to cost you. It has to be a sacrifice. So the first is that when we get paid, what do we do? We separate the tithe and offerings before using any amount of our salary. Number two, it has to be the best. So we have to do it on a basis of love for God. Remember the orange juice? And we have to do it based upon the blessings that we have received. At, at this one church, they were doing a fundraiser. They had a, a special remodeling project. And so this lady that was doing very well financially, she, she brought a check to the pastor's office. She says, Pastor, I brought a donation for our remodeling project. The pastor looked at it. It was about $1,000. Pretty good, huh? But she was making about $200,000 a year. So... She brought $1,000, and the pastor just asked her a simple simple question. Does that represent how thankful you are to God for the blessings that he has given? And she says, oh, pastor. She walked away. Next week, she came back with a check of $5,000. Here's my donation for the project, pastor. And the pastor asked her the same question. He said, does that represent the thankfulness that you have for God for the blessings you've received? So she left. Came back next week with $50,000. And before the pastor said anything, she says, this represents the thankfulness I have in my heart for the blessings that God has given me. So when we talk about the best, we have to understand that we have to give our offerings based on the love we have for God, but also based on the blessings that we have received. And number three, it has to be the chosen because Abel had to go through that selection process. Yeah, there were several firstborns, but he didn't give just any firstborn. He gave the best and the fattest. So we have to choose our offering by being systematic. We have to determine the amount we're going to give to God, the percentage of our earning we're going to give to God, and we also have to be systematic. It has to be on a regular basis, on a regular basis. So today we have talked a little bit about 
giving as an act of worship. So I have a few questions. How many of you would agree that we have an awesome God? Yes, amen. How many of you are thankful for the blessings that you receive from this awesome God? Well, then I think we're in the right position to remind ourselves that we should come to church, yes, to worship God through our prayers, through our songs, through the receiving of the word of God, but also let us worship Him with our offerings. So let us pledge to be great stewards for God. So uh, I have made this little card, so I'm going to ask the deacons to turn it in, because it's very important that we make promises to God, not to me, to God. So in this pledge, it says, my pledge to be a faithful steward. I will please God firmly, and I will place Him in the center of my life, faithfully meaning my relationships, my time, my health, and my finances. In honor of God and as an example of obedience, I pledge by the grace and power of God to be, and then we have number one here. So we're going to turn these in. I'm going to read it to you. It says, faithful in returning my tithe, my 10%. Faithful in support with my offerings. And then you guys are going to decide if you want to do a 5%, a 10%, or another percentage. It could be 3, it could be 8, whatever. Okay, so you put, it's very important that you put the percentage because that helps you to organize yourself. Faithful in the use of my limited time. Faithful in caring for my health. And last but not least, faithful in all of my relationships. Because that's part of stewardship. Faithful in my relationships so you could put a check mark on the right side right where the logo is of our church and the only place they have to be more specific is on item number two which was the sermon for today so if offering is an act of worship let's let's decide how much we want to give to god so you're going to place there a five percent ten percent or any other percentage that that you want and of course this starts with the leadership so i am Asking for our leadership to be the first to commit to God. The first to make the example. And so here's our pledge. We're going to fill this up. If you need a, a pen or a pencil, just raise your hand and we'll, we'll find a way to get that to you. So let's dedicate our lives to God. And if you can see this on, on, on the stewardship pledge, it's not about money. It's about a spiritual journey. Our tithe has to do with loyalty. Our offerings have to do with gratefulness. Our time has to do with acknowledging that God is the life giver. Faithfulness in our health is acknowledging that this body is temple of the Holy Spirit. And in our relationships, acknowledging that we cannot preach if we don't get along. We cannot share our faith if our family's all messed up because the relationships are toxic. So maybe be faithful in all of our relationships. So it's a spiritual journey. Stewardship is a spiritual thing. So once you fill this up, just raise your hand and we'll have the deacons collect these. You can just fold it in half. You're going to put your name at the bottom and just fold it in half. No one has to see this. I'm going to be praying for these cards. I will see what you have placed there, okay, because I want to be in touch with you and I want to uh, encourage you. If I see you're struggling or, or anything, we, we can... We can Definitely give you a call and encourage you to fulfill your, your promise. So uh, let's, let's go ahead and fill this up and just put your name and fold it in half and we'll give it back to our deacons.
So while we are filling up this uh, pledge, let's stand up and sing our closing song, if uh, Stuart can help us with this, and our pianist. So we will be collecting these during our closing song. And as we sing, as we all get together, I think that's the name of the song, one day Jesus is going to come. One day Jesus is going to take us home. And he is going to give us a glass of fresh squeezed orange juice. Not us. He's going to give us our reward. So let's praise God. Let's thank him for the promise that one day we will be all together and we will join to worship him in his everlasting kingdom. So let's praise God. You keep filling out the little pledge and return that to the deacons. Dear God, we want to thank you so much for the blessing of your holy word. Thank you for reminding us that Giving our offering is an act of worship. Bless us, Lord, with the decisions that we have made to be faithful stewards in all these areas of our life. And thank you so much, God, because you have allowed us this morning to reconsider our ways. Maybe we have been selfish. Maybe we have been more, more worried about us than you. We know you don't need anything. And yet our offering is a way to let you know how much we love you and appreciate your blessings. We thank you, God, because you have moved upon our hearts. Bless our families. Bless our church. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.